0: Friends, welcome back to ABN's Trinity Channel for another episode of Colliding Worldviews. Today is Monday, March 5th, in the year of our Lord, 2018. It's a blessing to have people joining me from around the world via satellite. Yes, we are going through satellite to the Middle East, North Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Also, we are going through high-speed internet throughout the world and many internet-based devices. If you have Amazon Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, uh, the list goes on and on you can see this show live and you can also find all of the videos on the tourney channel's youtube channel also, my Vimeo channel, vimeo.com forward slash Tony Gourlay. Today here on Colliding Worldviews, I am blessed to have with me Dr. Bill Warner. We are talking about the timid church in the face of Islam. Now, many of you are loyal viewers, probably know who Bill Warner is <laughs> very well, but we do have viewers out there who haven't heard of him yet. Let only know a little bit about him. He is a respected expert on political Islam. He is an international speaker, author, and video blogger. He analyzes Islamic doctrine using scientific methods and evaluations from the Islamic trilogy of the Quran, the Sirah, which is the biographies of Muhammad, and the Hadith, the traditions of Muhammad, the things that Muhammad said, did, approved, and disapproved of. Dr. Warner founded the Center for the Study of Political Islam and Center for the Study of Political Islam International to further explore and educate about Islamic ideology and its ramifications for Western civilization. Dr. Warner is the author of 15 books, including the Amazon bestseller, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, which is published in 20 languages. His simple Quran is the first Quran that can be easily understood by integrating Muhammad's life into the Quran verses. This method gives a context to the book, which makes the meaning transparent. All his books are concise and easy to understand. If you don't have a whole lot lot of time to read books, it's okay, because Dr. Bill Warner's are short and sweet. He gets right to the point. You can find all of his great works at politicalislam.com, which have that website on the bottom of your screen. Visit that website, let other people know about it as well. Dr. Warner even has different books broken down into levels based on the knowledge that you currently have about Islam, and he'll get you to the advanced level where he is at himself. Dr. Warner, it's a blessing to have you here with us.
1: It's good to be with you, Tony. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: Sir, it's it's a blessing to have you here because a lot of our viewers do know about your work and we've been pointing people to your work. You've been on a lot of our different shows that we have in our international apologetics marathons and that you are, are out there educating people about Islam, especially here in the West. As you know, Dr. Warner, There's this this Walt Disney version of Islam that is spread by the political Islamists that don't line up with the primary sources, which are what you point to. If somebody wants to know about Jesus, we point them to the Bible. If they want to know about Islam, what should we be pointing them to?
1: To Muhammad. As a matter of fact, I would say forget Allah, forget the Quran, learn about Muhammad first because he gives the perspective needed to understand what's in the Quran. You can't understand the Quran anyway until you understand Muhammad. So... Start with Muhammad. You'll end with Muhammad as well.
0: And I don't know why people look anywhere different. Because I mean, if we want to know about Christianity, we look to the New Testament. We read about Jesus. I mean, no one was more Christ-like than Jesus. Okay, no, no one was more uh, is uh, Muslim than Muhammad. Uh, If you you look to the claim of Islam, he's the perfect man and the perfect Muslim. Now, Dr. Warner, that is a dangerous claim to make if you haven't even studied his life. Because what happens when you study his life? You see what his life was like. And if he's a perfect man and perfect Muslim, well, you can't criticize anything that he did, right?
1: Well, this is true. And as a matter of fact, if you listen carefully to what I write and say, Tony, I never actually criticize Muhammad. I just say what he did. For instance, I say he married Aisha at six and consummated the marriage at nine. I don't go any further than that. I don't say anything about it. I just let people, let those thoughts roll around in their head and they can draw their own conclusions. My whole purpose is to expose you to the real Muhammad and then you make up your own mind.
0: And this is a great uh, tactic to use because when 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 we don't criticize him, when we don't call him names or go out of our way to demonize Muslims who are really just people made in the image of God who need the gospel, we're just saying, hey, this is what history actually shows. How can you argue with history? This is what happened. But, Dr. Warner, we appreciate your work because you are letting people know what happened in the past. And, you know, people say, hey, those who don't study history are, are bound to repeat it. Uh, unfortunately, as, as you know, those who have studied history, are bound to sit back and watch other people repeat it because we're seeing this Islamization of the West uh, in spite of all the sources that are, are widely available. So we thank you for your work and for getting this, all these little books booklets out there. Again, I want pointing point people to your website and, and let them know getting these booklets will, will give them a great education on the history of Islam, the life of Muhammad, what the primary sources say, and hey, that's the authority when it comes to this, just like as we looked at the Bible with Jesus. Now, um, hate crimes against Christians are increasing in Europe. Uh, politicians are talking about it, uh, but not the clergy, not the church. We, we've seen this this really uh, secularization of the church in Europe as it is. Uh, Tommy Robinson has said, hey. It's like the, the church is dead pretty much in Europe. Now, we do see good churches and great preachers still who are preaching the Word of God uh, unashamedly. But but what is wrong here, and, and how is the silence justified by the clergy in Europe? Um, uh, what, what's going on?
1: I wish I could explain it to you, because when I look and see what people are doing, It just isn't right. Let let me give you an example of what prompted me to respond in the way I did to your email saying, what should we talk about? A person running for governor of the state of Tennessee decided that she would have a fundraiser and have me and two other people speak on national security issues from the standpoint of the doctrine of Islam. Seems like a reasonable thing to do. Didn't seem extraordinary to me. This was a Christian university. Now CARE, Committee on American Islamic Relations, Islam's famous civil rights organization. Not. But anyway, they call up the president and say, look, we don't want this man here because he's a terrible person. The Southern Poverty Law Center has said that he's one of America's worst bigots. And so the university folded like wet cardboard. They didn't make any further inquiries as to who I actually am. Instead, well, if the Southern Poverty Law Center says I'm a bad person, it must be true. And if a civil rights organization like CARE says I'm a bad person, so what we have here is a ch- was a chance to educate more at a university, but it didn't happen. So I said to myself, well, let's check out this university a little more in detail. So I got their catalog, which is, of course, available on the line, and what do I discover? Well, no surprise to you, Tony, but what I discovered was there's not a single course written, graduate or undergraduate, on the persecution of the church, and there's not a single course which will educate a person as to Muhammad or the Quran. Furthermore, there's no courses there to even talk about how to convert a Muslim. So here we have uh, supposedly a university which doesn't teach anything whatsoever at all about the greatest issue, in my opinion, of the 21st century. So this is what we're finding all over. As a matter of fact, I think it would be interesting for you and me to have a conversation. If we could take over this university, what would we put in to study that every graduate who's gonna preach before the audience in a church should know about? Because this university is not preparing them for that purpose at all, so it's this is where this is what prompted me to say we need to talk about the timid church because I'm dealing with a timid university, and by the way, we don't want to point too many fingers at this particular university because they're typical. Unfortunately, they're very typical.
0: Dr. Warner, this is a tactic by the Muslim Brotherhood, and a lot of people they they don't realize what's going on here. The Muslim Brotherhood. Is considered a terrorist organization by Saudi Arabia, by the United Arab Emirates, <laughs> by Egypt. Egypt, and 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 yet, uh, care, which is the most, which is the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, um, is Hamas. I'm sorry, Hamas is the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. Care is Hamas in America. They're an unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation trial this this organization, which is considered a, a terrorist organization by Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and Egypt, has offices throughout the United States. And whenever you see a news story about something that's surrounding Islam or whatever else, who do the, does the mainstream media call? They call their local care office and they have someone come and tell you uh, uh, Islam according to Walt Disney and and and, and don't let you, you know, uh, <laughs> don't let you think for yourself about, okay, what's going on here. The 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 history of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, where it all began, this whole thing about building relationships with politicians, with uh, with school teachers, with professionals, with students and all of that, this is an ongoing tactic from the beginning. And yes, it's much different than your jihadists who are out there just fighting people. But I tell people all the time that the jihadists are a huge distraction uh, from the political Islamists and what's happening behind the scenes. Wouldn't you agree?
1: I'll say what you just said in a slightly different manner. The jihad of the sword is in a strange sense the only benefit Islam gives us because the most dangerous jihad is practiced by speech, writing, and money. And that's what care practices. We can defeat violent people, but when we have men like who head up this Christian university? Who don't know care from bear? That's where the problem is. I mean, how could this man be so? Can I use the term ignorant? But he is. Did he not look any further? What he? What I? I'm purely guessing here. But somehow or another, I think that it probably confirmed his wishes to not do anything. That is, he could have pushed back, but he did not push back. So. We we find this again and again that people want to You know, Tony, what the thing is is that people want to believe the best out of everybody and I think Christians are that's one of their attributes. They want to think the best. But we also don't want to think foolishly. Wise is what is what is it, gentlest doves, wise as serpents. We need some serpent knowledge in here and this university doesn't have it. And I just keep peeing on them because they happen to be the last one. I've had I gave a talk at Vanderbilt University, which is my uh, undergraduate alum uh, college, and a man at the end of the discussion, what I did was I gave a statistical, it was a lecture on statistical analysis of Islamic text. Things like 51% of the Quran, surah and Hadith are about the Kafir. When the talk was over, a man stood up in the back of the room and started screaming at me, repeating it over and over again. He says, you're a racist, you're a hater, you're a bigot. You should never be allowed in any university. These are statistical analyses, okay? And yet he says, I shouldn't be allowed in now, he, Do you know who the man was? He was the head of the Middle East Department.
0: Hmm. <laughs> well, this he, is notice the Notice what case. he did not do. Uh,
1: he did not say, I am an error. This is wrong. When you state this about yeah. Muhammad, this is a, not a fact. Instead, he just screams at me that I'm a racist, a hater and a bigot, and I should never be allowed on campus. Do you see the logic being used here? It has, there's no facts involved at all. I gave a talk for 45 minutes about nothing but facts. And he responds with screaming anger. So there we have it.
0: This is the case, Dr. Warner. It's it's all about name calling. And they, they think, I mean, you figure, I mean, you, you get called names, but you don't stop what you're doing. Oh. And and that's that's exactly what you should do. But Dr. Warner, there are a whole lot of people out there who as soon as they're called a name, they're like, oh, oh, oh I'm defeated now. I can't say anything else. I, I, I guess I offended you and maybe I shouldn't ever say anything again. Well, look, if if you don't say something because someone may be offended, well, you're never gonna say anything. (laughs) And Dr. Warner, you are out there, you're spreading the truth regardless of the name calling. The the name calling doesn't do anything to us, but we wanna get people educated about about history.
1: So, you know, we've touched on an important point here. Why are particularly religious leaders so timid this day? I mean, when you read the gospels, was Jesus a timid man? By all means, no. He was a bold man. He offended those who were powerful. He would debate religious issues. And yet, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk only about here in Nashville, Tennessee, because I don't know the churches anywhere else, but here in Nashville, Tennessee, those attributes of courage, willing to take a stand, be criticized, and be demeaned, that doesn't exist. Everybody is... In Nashville, Tennessee, the Gospels and the, indeed the entire Bible has been reduced down to two syllables. be nice. Have you heard this? Have you seen this phenomenon yourself? Everything's nice. And by the way, I got nothing against nice. But if that's all you got, it's like eating dessert all the time. We need some steak and potatoes here.
0: Another thing, too, Dr. Warner. I mean, we do want to make clear to our audience. Look, I mean, it's not like Muslims know that Islam is false, but they just are putting all the sincerity and belief into it. They actually think it's true. So we got to give them yes. the benefit of the doubt. Now, now, most Muslims in the West aren't doing what Muhammad said to do, and that's a good thing. You know, you don't want to reach out to your Muslim neighbor and say, hey, Muhammad did this. You should start doing this. No, We don't want to do that at all. We just want to get, meet them where they're at and put them to the gospel. But at the same time, don't sugarcoat Islam. And, and that is what so many people in the West are doing, and care and the political Islamists. They feed on the uh, ill-informed and ignorant people out there who say, oh, you say you're a Muslim, so you must define Islam. They don't. Dr. Warner, the, the resources that you've written, the the this is what defines Islam, because we're talking about Muhammad himself 1,400 years ago. Now, another thing that I want to bring up, I have a couple pictures here, so I'm not sure if you've seen this in your neck of the woods. Uh, I have a couple pictures here for the, for the technician to pull up. This is actually a thing that CARE is doing now, blackness and Islam, okay? They are actually getting... Uh, different uh, organizations out there, of course, um, you know, different Islamic centers and mosques, to put on these type of events. Okay, look at this next one: Black History in Islam. Uh, this is a past event, but it says a panel of speakers highlight how Black history has played a role in the development of Islam. Now, Dr. Warner, when I saw this, my first thought was, okay, this is probably like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, obviously, if, if people haven't have if they haven't studied their history uh oh yeah look there there's african americans and they're muslims so i guess they're they go hand in hand there uh i'm not sure if you've seen it, dr warner the show that i did with uh, dr j smith just one of the seven shows about the hidden islamic slave trade in colorism the amount of slaves that that were um transferred by muslims completely outshine the entire transatlantic slave trade that people learn about in schools. This is, a, this is exactly a, an episode correct. that people need to see. What what, uh, resor- what info have you put in your resources on uh, slavery and Islam?
1: Well actually, to my knowledge, I've written the only book on the Islamic doctrine of slavery. I taught for eight years at a historically black university, so I'm well well acquainted with what black education is about. And black education views slavery only from one lens, the evil white man on the wooden ship on the west coast of Africa. That's all it extends to. They have no idea at all that the greatest killer that roughly 100, by my estimates, 120 million Africans have been killed for the slave trade. They also don't teach the fact that the slave trade preyed on not only blacks, but Arabs and white people as well. One of the interesting things about when you read the Hadith and the sirah when they refer to slaves, is they give their race. I thought that was intriguing. And Muhammad himself owned black slaves. He also had white slaves, sex slaves, Arab slaves, but he owned black slaves. And so why doesn't the black community know this? Well, it turns out we've now added one more ignorant community. We've already addressed the churches as being ignorant. Now that I'm going to say the black community is ignorant. Now, by the way, when I use the term ignorant, this is not an insult. This is a measure of how much knowledge you have. Ignorance is one of the easiest diseases to cure once you say, I want to learn. But no, the black community is very ill-informed about the true nature of slavery within Islam. Every slave that was sold to an American on the wooden ship what came from jihad. And, they were, and they, the jihad was only supposed to capture kafir slaves that is, who were non-Muslim. Now then, here's a sidebar. In North Africa, there's an entire body of work by fatwas delivered by black jurists against those Africans who were Muslim who would capture other Muslims and sell them. So theoretically, only a non-Muslim should be enslaved. But look, if you're running a business and you're short on some Kafir slaves, hey, round up a few believers, too. They sell for the same price. But this notice, this business of the slave trade and Islam desperately needs to be taught. In the same way, we need, desperately need to teach the destruction of 60 million Christians through the process of jihad over the last 1,400 years. So the blacks don't know that 120 million were enslaved. The Christians don't know that 60 million were uh, killed. And the Buddhists, they don't know that 10 million were enslaved. Now, here's odd. The only people I run across who sometimes have an eye for the suffering of slaves are the Hindus. And I think this is because of the business that happened in 1947 with the partition of India. I think I got that date right. But anyway, the, Tony, if ignorance were gold, I could be the richest man in the world because there's such an abundance of it and this deliberate ignorance is what drives me crazy. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Dr. Warner, a, a new resource that you need on your website, in addition to all your great books, you need to have some t-shirts made that say, Kafir Lives Matter, and start selling those on your website. And the thing is, is that when people started learning about the history of the Islamic slave trade, uh, there would be more African Americans leaving Islam than the already 200,000 Muslims who are leaving Islam just in Indonesia every single year. People are learning about the falsity of Islam, they're learning about the true history of, of Islam. They're learning about the life of Muhammad and uh, th- this whole thing about black history and how it ties in with Islam, Black history or Islamic history will drive you from this this belief that that there was some kind of harmony there Even the nation of Islam which of course, you know a lot has a lot of followers that's seen as heretical by Sunni Muslims uh, But yeah, I mean this whole, this other thing is just don't be surprised when you see it taking place in an Islamic center uh, in your area But this is what's going on. I want to get to uh, some some of your your thoughts uh, King Abdullah of Jordan says Americans do not understand Islam. I wanna talk about uh, each point here and, and get your thoughts, okay? The <laughs> first thing that comes to mind- now he's right about statements that, here. The first one-
1: Americans do not understand Islam. <laughs> okay, right. and,
0: the, and the, here's the first one. It, it is not a religion of hate.
1: Well, would it that it would be true? But one of the things I find is that there's a ethical principle in Islam which is to love what Allah loves and to hate what Allah hates. Now, I've introduced the concept of Allah hating here. Allah loves Muslims, and do you know who Allah hates? Kafirs. So it explicitly states that, I mean, when you go further and talk about hate, one of my unfavorite verses in the Quran is Allah says, I have created both men and jins to burn in hell. Now, I take that as a hateful statement. I don't know about you, but when you say you've created me just to burn in hell, it's like, how much more hate do you need? So no, there is a concept in Islam of sacred hate. And that's just the way it's built. It's just the way it is. But King Abdullah was right. Americans don't know anything about Islam, but they'll know even less if they listen to people like him.
0: (laughs) And the second point is, we as Muslims believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah.
1: Uh, how many times have you heard this, Tony? How many times have you heard this? If that? I had a
0: dollar for each time, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but now let's, so here's what I do I say, let's not argue the point. Let's instead pick up two books. One is the Gospels and the other is the Quran. Now, you don't have to read much of the Quran to read what's about Isa, which is the, the name they give Jesus. Now, the only thing is, is that the character Isa is not the character Jesus. So I'm not sure why these two should get confused at all. This one's a very pale imitation, if you will. So Jesus is not in the Quran. Isa is. I guess that's my short answer. And Isa is not the same yeah. as as Jesus. I mean, this is read the two books.
0: They say, you know, we love Jesus. Uh, I'm, uh, this is a brand new video I just put on my Vimeo channel, again, Vimeo, vimeo.com forward slash tonicrelay, a brand new talk called Fabricating Jesus, How the Cults Distort the Gospel of Christ, and I actually bring in Islam in, into that um, that presentation, and I show a sweatshirt where this Muslim's wearing uh, a sweatshirt that says, I love Jesus because I'm a Muslim. I have some Muslims at the Dawah table that says Jesus is a Muslim, present tense here, not not... Uh, past tense. And yeah, I said, uh, Jesus, he's a Muslim, he's a prophet, he's not the eternal son of God incarnate, um, he, he did not die on a cross, and yes, he is coming back just like the Bible teaches, but guess what Isa is he's, he's coming back to do? He's coming back to destroy Christianity. Now, this, of course, exactly. is not the Jesus of the New Testament. The Jesus of the New Testament is the Jesus who Muslims need to know about. And... Uh, this is the message that we need to get out to Muslims throughout the world, is who the true Jesus is. So please, uh, not only share this video, but check out Fabricating Jesus. Again, a brand new talk I just put on at my channel. But Dr. Warner, the next statement here is we believe in the Holy Virgin Mother.
1: Well, yes, they now they do say that she was Mary, Mary Mother of Jesus. What, what is the phrase they use? She is portrayed as a virgin. But after that, the story begins to dwindle off from the story of Mary as is revealed in the Gospels. Here's the thing. why, For Christian ministers, because I know Christian ministers who will repeat this same propaganda you just stated. And to me, that's almost a crime. If you're going to be a minister, shouldn't you at least read the Gospels and then read the Quran and draw your own conclusions instead of being like a little parrot and just repeating what you've heard? Knowledge is what we need, Tony. We don't need more myths, and we don't need more fabrications. The thing that drives me crazy is, is the knowledge is all there. All you have to do is be willing to pick it up and read it. It's in. You know, before 9-11, it was difficult to learn about Islam. But not just me. Robert Spencer and others have made the whole doctrine of Islam easy to understand. What am I saying? There is no ex- longer any excuse for ignorance. If you're ignorant, you have a way of fixing it. Don't be lazy about it. And don't be afraid. You know, I think that some people use the ignorance to cover their fear because if they figure if I don't know anything, i don't have to speak to the truth. But that's a guess on my part.
0: Dr. Warner, another interesting fact. Of course, we have the birth of Jesus Christ splitting time. We have B.C., we have A.D., and 9-11 split time as well because if you look at the pre-9-11 sources, you don't have to worry about uh, edits that have been made. If you get the post-9-11 sources, you have to uh, have discernment, especially if there's a new edition out. Well, if the if the first edition was before 9-11, maybe that's the edition that you should get, because this, again, yes. this, this watering down of Islam has, has happened since then. Um, and this is just one more piece of information that people need. Going on to the next point in uh, King Abdullah, we have here, we believe in the Bible and the Torah. Ha! <laughs>
1: their version of the Bible, because why would he believe in the Christian Bible or the the Jewish Torah, because the Quran explicitly, and I think Muhammad said it as well, say that those documents are corrupt. So why would this man, King Abdullah, believe in something that his own scripture says is corrupt and wrong? I can't make these two pieces fit together, can you?
0: No, but, um, you know, we can't really make sense out of... uh illogic here but we have the next one we say assalamu alaikum peace be unto you claiming that this phrase was the basis of islam
1: you know i'm not really sure i know what to say to that <laughs> because the basis of islam is the sirah the sunnah muhammad and the quran that's the basis of islam and you could even say the sharia is the basis of islam but that i mean that's just sort of like what do you mean when you say that I don't know what the, peace be upon you, of course, and, uh, I, I, and of all things I do not associate with Muhammad. Muhammad committed 95 acts of jihad, the perfect, the perfect Muslim, 95 acts of jihad, and then you follow that with being peace be upon you. It's like, Tony, I don't need that kind of peace. I don't want that kind of peace, not the peace that comes after jihad.
0: Well, I I think he's claiming here that the the spread of Islam into North Africa and eastward and westward and northward and southward and every other direction uh, was all defensive fighting because people were oppressing Muslims along the way as they spread um, this uh, good news about uh muhammad and stuff but of course we know that is not the case dr warner it's so great to have you here we do need to take a short commercial break we're going to be back and i have more questions for you but i want to point people to your website in the meantime we have a couple minutes go to politicalislam.com check out dr warner's books check out all the different info that he has there and be on the lookout for again dr warner you need a t-shirt Kafir lives matter and um, we'll we'll hope to see that here in in the near future as well but friends see where you are we'll be back in just a couple
2: of minutes Trinity Channel is now airing live 24-7 on our YouTube channel. Apologetics, debates, and discipling are now constantly streaming for all of our YouTube viewers. Be sure to comment on, like, and share our stream to support Trinity Channel's efforts to disciple all nations. Watch live on YouTube today. We here at ABN SAT TV Ministry have a question for you. Would you like to broadcast your sermons, programs, or music to the entire world? If so, ABN SAT would like to offer your ministry our ABN Church Channel Program. Now your ministry can have its very own channel on the ABN SAT app, a channel dedicated to your church, ministry, or mission to do as you please. The app is free to download on all Android, iOS, and most smart devices like TVs, digital players, and phones. This offer can be yours for the low price of free. That's right, a free channel for your ministry on the ABNsat app that your followers can download for free. Spreading your message across the world couldn't be easier. Just call ABNsat TV Ministry at 248-416-1300. Or email us at infotrinitychannel.com to learn more about this offer. Sign up with ABNSAT TV Ministry for your free channel for your church, ministry, or mission today.
0: Welcome back to Colliding Worldviews, found only here on ABN's Trinity Channel. It's such a blessing to have you joining us every single week, letting other people know about these shows that we do every week as well. Here today I have Dr. Bill Warner, again a respected uh, expert on political Islam. He's a speaker, an author, and a video blogger. You go to YouTube, you'll see all kinds of videos that he has made. short. Uh, and to-the-point videos that you can get and post on social media. Just get the link, send to somebody an email, get people educated about Islam. Now, we here at ABN, we say, hey, we need to love Muslims because of the sheer fact that they're people made in the image of God. But at the same time, we don't sugarcoat Islam, like care and the political Islamists here in the West. You don't get any sugar-coated Islam in the East. You don't get any sugar-coated Islam when you're living under Sharia. It's only the places of the world that are not under Sharia. And Dr. Warner, that, of course, is the... Real meaning of peace when it comes to Islam is Dar al-Islam, the areas of the world that are under Sharia in the hopes that the whole world will be under Sharia. But here in the West, you talk about Islam because you've done your homework, you write books on Islam because you've done your homework, and you are called names by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is basically just an un-Islamic version of care, pretty much. You know, there's name call and um, and that kind of stuff. Now, why are, so, uh, why are others so afraid to be smeared for speaking the truth and you are not?
1: I don't know the answer to this. I know why I speak my mind, which is I was raised by my grandmother and she would tell the truth to anybody. As a matter of fact, she was slightly feared in the community because she just told you what she thought. So that's where I got my origins. But you know, when I was a child, there on the schoolyard, there was a little poem That was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And the point of that was is, is that call me any name you want. I'm still the same after you get to call me that name as I was before you started calling that name. But somehow or another, we've become so socially adjusted that it's like we don't have any real thoughts anymore. We all we want all of our thoughts approved by some social organization. And so we don't want to be called names. But in particular, I wonder why religious leaders, Christian leaders in Nashville, Tennessee, don't want to be called names because it strikes me that if you see what's really important, you'll see that what's important is not that you be thought well of, but that you help others. And the way to help others is to bring the truth to the table. And yet we see time and time again where religious leaders do not want to bring truth to the table, they want to bring mice to the table. Today in the news, I see where the Vatican or the Pope is saying we want closer ties between uh, catholicism or maybe they call it christianity and islam well this is the word that would only be said by a fool because once you understand islam and once you understand the christianity you can see these two things go together like oil and water one actually that's a bad analogy because it's islam destroys christianity but you know if a name will keep you from doing the right thing what does that say about you i mean Speaking the truth, if you're a Christian, don't the Gospels reveal Jesus is speaking inconvenient truths? I believe it does, and doesn't he? Did he not offend people? So, if you're a Christian and you're not offending people, what's your life about? I mean, this may sound like a strange thing to say to me, to say, but I mean, if the truth offends and you choose to use the lie of silence, and by the way, this is one of our problems. I think is is that many people have substituted. They think that. Well, if I just don't say anything, that's a virtue, when we need to speak the truth. One of the things that's interesting about a U.S. Constitution was, is that largely unknown to most people, so far as the British were concerned, if they won the war, these people who signed the Constitution would all hang. So these were people who were willing to put their life on the line, and yet now then we just got people who aren't even willing to put their little hurt feelings on the line. Now some people may hear what I'm saying and go, well, boy, he's harsh.
0: Dr. So Warner, this, the this truth. falls. This falls right in line with this whole ridiculous claim: share the gospel, and if necessary, use words. It's like I don't even know what that means. I, unless you like are fluent in sign language, you can't share the gospel whoa, 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 whoa. by your actions, What did you say? You know? <laughs> the, share the gospel, if necessary, use words.
1: Okay. This is. This is
0: but, but I mean, you know, like they say, like, yeah, yeah you know, love, just love people. That's all you need to do. Just love people the way that Jesus loved people. And, you know, you can just love somebody into heaven, even if they don't want to go there. You know, it's like it's just all about love. And we've gotten away from the, the requirement of truth. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. People need the gospel, the good news. Uh, if 2% of Christians in America regularly share their faith at all or well what are the chances they're gonna share the gospel with a Muslim you know it's like the, the truth that needs to get out there, the true Jesus and information about him needs to get out there to all people, Muslims and non Muslims as well. Now when it when it comes to the life of Jesus um, you, you have a dot you have or not, not Jesus, but there's this thing that you call the doctrine of the coward. Uh, please explain that to our audience.
1: Well I've spoken with a lot of religious leaders. And now when I say religious leaders, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're in a pulpit. They may have an adult Bible class or whatever. But they're 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 what I call leaders in the sense at some point during the the cycle of the week they stand in front of people and they're as a Christian. So why not? I mean, I lost my train of thought. Tony, put me back on track again. The doctrine oh, of the, the, the doctrine of the lie. Here's what I hear from people. Here's what I hear from religious leaders. Well, we need to love Muslims. We don't want to hate anybody. I'm not advocating you hate anybody. In particular, Muslims, what I'm advocating is that you know what the doctrine of Islam means. Then, well, we need to turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek has its application in life. But if you're so weak that you're getting beaten, turning the other cheek doesn't have any meaning. Turning the other cheek is an us choice that's only available to a brave person and a strong person because if you're not strong enough to prevail you don't get a chance if i'm out on the street and five thugs jump me i'm not turning my cheek i'm trying to run because i am not capable of choosing whether to win or not in that moment then the other thing what do we told? oh i'll pray about it now that's if i'm going to criticize prayer you're thinking did i why do we bring this man on the show here's what i've observed to those people who are religious leaders and I talk about Islam and they need to do something, they tell me, well, I'll pray about it, but they never get back to me, they never do anything. And so then I say, well, aren't you supposed to try to convert Muslims? I think that many religious leaders now, part of the, they're afraid to convert Muslims because, number one, they don't know how to do it, they don't know anybody who actually has. But they've developed what I call the doctrine of the coward. It's pious, it's pious, but it's not strength. It's it's hiding behind a, guest, uh, a, a mask of piety, so you don't have to actually do anything. I mean, when Jesus, uh, in Matthew on Judgment Day, Jesus says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Notice what that says. It does not say, when I was naked, you prayed for me. When I was hungry, you prayed for me. When I was in jail, you prayed for me. It says, no, you need to do something. And so what I find is, is that Christianity has adopted what I call this Gospel or the doctrine of the coward, which means we can say nice words, but we don't ever actually have to do anything. Now, this is sort of a harsh set of words I've delivered to you, but we've already established that sometimes I offend people,
0: and that's no problem. Uh, the gospel is offensive to uh, people who love their sin and don't don't even realize their need for a savior. Now, you don't have to be a Muslim in order to be offended. Now, of course, the political Islamists are out there calling you names, hoping that if you get called the name, you're gonna be afraid and stop sharing the truth with people, but that isn't the case when we care about people enough to share the truth with them. And this is the case when it comes to Muslims and wanting to share the gospel with them. Dr. Warner, I was in a, in a class um, on the Quran and, and um, uh, about the Quran and a, a, a classmate of mine Said that he went to a local church and told them, "Hey, you know, we need to go out and start sharing the gospel with Muslims." And this pastor told him, "Well, we don't need to share the gospel with Muslims. We just need to love Muslims." And he said, "Okay, so what are you doing to love Muslims?" And he didn't have any response to that either. It's like you need to you need to do something. And Jesus had to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Now, if that's all we have to do, great. If someone has a rebuttal, well then that's where apologetics comes in and defending the historic Christian faith, which actually lines up with the past, with reality. And this is not the case with the Islamic worldview. There's all these different historical claims, which don't line up with anything outside of the Islamic worldview. They don't line up with any non-Islamic sources whatsoever. And people aren't getting educated about Islam, even though you have books educating people about Islam. Uh, this this great commission that Jesus had to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation uh, is this still in force? And and, and what is our excuse uh, to not go out and be talking with Muslims? And not that we can convert Muslims, but at least you know share the truth with them. Uh, why isn't this happening more? Uh, just from churches in general.
1: You know, I think that for one thing, we've already discussed this fact. If you're if you're a preacher. Clergyman, and you went to a seminary or a school that was religious in its orientation. We've already discussed the fact that you won't know anything about Islam. So you're you're you don't have you're not prepared to do the job. There's a man who is from Iraq, Salman Hassan, who's a former Muslim. He was Shia. His father was a sheikh, and so he now has converted hundreds of people to Islam from Islam to Christianity. Now you would think, with that kind of a track record, if we brought him here to Nashville, Tennessee, they'd be lined up outside the door to get in and to say, how do you convert Muslims? He almost can't get anybody to listen to him. So I, could, I use this experimental fact to say, you know, they're afraid to even talk about it. But what, here's the way his method works. He does not preach the gospel to a Muslim. First, he teaches them what Islam is. And in particular, he teaches them who Muhammad is and what Muhammad said and did. He has preached the gospel within the sounds of Islamic State's artillery. So he goes to Muslims and says, do you like Islamic State? They go, no, we hate Islamic State. He says, do you understand that Islamic State is pure Islam? No. Then he goes through and he uses my books, because they're concisely written, and says, this is what Muhammad said, this is what Muhammad did. In this hadith he says and does this. Is this who you want as your as your religious leader? No, that's not who I want. Now then he introduces Jesus. The reason that introducing Jesus at first doesn't work is that every Muslim has been told this, the gospels are corrupt and that Jesus was a Muslim and that the Christians are in error. So if you try to teach the gospel to Muslims without addressing, you're drawing water from a well that's been poisoned. Does that make sense? So what you do is you first establish the fact that you need to know Islam, which means know Muhammad. Then if you're dissatisfied with that, now then you're in a position that you can teach the gospel. So first you create a dissatisfaction. Then you teach the truth. So that's his method and it works extremely well. But notice what it requires here. It's not just a knowledge of the gospels, it also requires a knowledge of Islam. But surely this has been made easy you would think the thrill of the hunt, that may seem like a strange thing to do, to say, but the thrill of the hunt of being able to convert Muslims would attract some Christians who are like, you know, I want to do this. I mean, you've already covered the fact that it is commanded to do this. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. So if you're going to follow that, why not do it in the best way? And by the way, Salman Hassan is not the only one who uses this method, but it works. So. Tony, tell Dr. me, Wunder, why wouldn't people be is, lined up to learn this method? I mean, I, mean yeah. I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? This, I can't. I can't.
0: This, this lines right up with something that Dr. David Cashin has said. He's a scholar who's been here a, a lot on a lot of different shows that we've done. David Cashin is a professor at CIU, Columbia International University, where they have master's degrees in Muslim studies, and he has said numerous times that ISIS is are our, our proto-evangelists in that as Muslims see what they're doing and see that, okay, this actually lines up with the sources that Dr. Warner, as you know, many Muslims don't read because Islam is more about orthopraxy and right practice more than orthodoxy and actually knowing the sources. You know, 15, maybe 20% of Muslims in the world actually understand Arabic. But yet we have uh, millions or, or, or billions who memorize the Arabic, not even knowing what they're saying, thinking that it pleases Allah. It's more about, hey, are you praying five times a day? Are you fasting during Ramadan? Have you made a trip... Uh, to Mecca yet. If not, you need to do that sometime in your life if you can afford it. And it's about almsgiving and, of course, saying the Shahada be- to become a Muslim in the first place, um, and just following the five pillars. It's more about that than it is about orthodoxy and, and what is actually uh, taught in doctrine and theology. But when we look to ISIS and we see that their sources, left and right, are quoting the Quran, they're quoting Hadith, they're quoting Sirah literature, And it's what you just said, like I said, lines right up with Dr. David Cashin saying, hey, these are proto evangelists and ISIS is the cause of many Muslims leaving Islam. So like, hey, if this is Islam, I don't want anything to do with it. And of course, that's gonna make this world a better place, but just a better place to go to hell from if we don't get the gospel out there to people because Muslims need the gospel as well as everybody else. But Dr. Warner, there's something that's happening here in the West, this doesn't happen in the East, but here in the West, If people don't know what it is, please explain to our audience about Dawah.
1: That's a big sigh, because everyone, every religious leader needs to know Dawah for two reasons. One reason is, there's a phenomenon happening here in Tennessee, and I keep saying Tennessee because I know it's here, I don't know what's in Oklahoma, for instance. But in Tennessee, Christian boys and girls are converting to Islam, because you see, Muslims know dawah. We know for a fact here we have the information that the Muslim Brotherhood here in Nashville, Tennessee, is educating young Muslims on how to convert Christians. So they start talking to a, a, when a Muslim child, I'm going to call a 15-year-old a child, when a Muslim child of 15 starts talking about Islam to a Christian, he's been trained in this. He is practicing dawah, which is how to convert Muslims. I mean, how to convert Christians. Now, why should A Christian teacher teach Dawah to the flock so that you will know the arguments, so that you will know the error of the arguments. Because to send out children into school where we now have Muslims who are going to educate them about Islam without giving them a real education first is simply wrong. So Dawah is the process of converting anyone to Islam and I hold that every Christian should know it so that they will be, it's like armoring yourself with truth. So that when your children are approached, and by the way, Christians may be shy about converting Muslims, but Muslims are not shy at all about converting Christians. They're on top of that. They have game and they practice. And when I say they practice, they literally go through practice sessions. So the Muslim Brotherhood and the mosque are very serious, and we need to understand that they're serious. We also need to understand what they're doing so that we can use it against them. We need to know who we're talking to. One of the profound things when you read the Gospels is one of the reasons that Jesus was so effective in his teaching was he understood who he was speaking to. So therefore his words had impact. I hate to be so emphatic about this, but somehow or another the basic things seem to be just forgotten or thrown aside. So Christians need to understand the process of how to convert Muslims. Christians need to understand the process of how Muslims convert Christians so that we need strong people here. We need people who can stand up for their own ideas and their own ideals, and ignorance is not a good basis for life. You know, when, you're, when you practice stupidity, it just makes life more difficult. That's just a comment on the side.
0: Well, people definitely need to have an intelligent day, and in order to have one, you need to get educated about stuff. Uh, Dr. Warner, people have no problem understanding exactly what Jehovah's Witnesses are up to when they walk door to door. They have no problem understanding what Mormons are up to when they're riding bikes. Well, you need to understand Dawah, and especially because so many people say, "Oh, Mormons will Jehovah's Witnesses." Well, they're not really Christians. I mean, they they say they are, but there we know there's some 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 problems there. Well, how about Islam? They say, "Hey, we love Jesus. We love Abraham. We love Moses. We love all these different prophets, um, and you know we believe in one God, just like you know Christians do." And that's the danger here, is that people will see this and say, "Oh, you know, they're they're fundamentally the same and just superficially different." But as soon as you ask, "Who is God? Who is Jesus? How can He be reconciled to the Father?" and all these other questions, then you realize right away they're fundamentally different and almost, almost only superficially the same, if anything but this is not uh, something that a lot of people are educated about when it comes to Islam. So people need to get your books and go to your website and get more educated about it from the primary sources themselves. But for people who are uh, here in the show right now, who are, who are just hearing all this stuff for the first time, uh, Dr. Warner, please explain to our audience how Islam as a religio-political system is dualistic and also tie abrogation into
1: this as well. All right. If you read carefully Muhammad's life, you read the Hadith carefully, and you read the Quran carefully. Now, to read the Quran carefully, you need to put it in the right time sequence. That is, the, the, the green book you get at the bookstore does not portray time in the right way. It really starts off at the back and goes to the beginning. So, but when you read the Quran, you discover that the doctrine that was preached in Mecca, the early doctrine, is radically different from the doctrine that's repeated in Medina, the later doctrine. So that's the reason I call it dualistic. There's two different Korans, an early Quran, which is fairly religious, and then a later Quran written in Medina, which is very political. So the other thing we find is Muhammad was, there were two different Muhammads. There was Muhammad, the man in Mecca, who was a preacher of the religion of peace. And I call it the religion of peace because there is no jihad in Mecca. So when you read the Quran written in Mecca, they don't like Kafirs, the non Muslims, but there's no actual war. No blood is drawn. But when we get to Medina, I've already mentioned earlier that Muhammad had 95 acts of jihadi created in Medina. Here's what's different about, here's what's important about seeing this difference. The religion of Islam preached in Mecca was a failure. The peaceful, the peaceful religion of Islam in Mecca, he converted 150 people in 13 years. That's not a very big rate. But when he went to Medina and became a politician, a jihadist, and a warlord, when he died, everyone around him was, was now a Muslim. So here we have two different Mohammeds, two different Qurans, and we need to understand that the early peaceful Muhammad, which is the one they talk about it, uh, to one of these bridge-building businesses between church and Islam, that that did not succeed. So Islam always has two things to say about almost any issue. And so that's the reason I call it dualistic. Now the abrogation part is, is that even the Muslims, I'm sorry, even the Arabs of Muhammad's day realized, you know what, you told us one thing last month and now you're telling us this this month. Which one's the right one? I believe there's three verses, I may mean, have that right, that say that a Muslim, say that the latter verse is more powerful and stronger than the earlier verse. Now as this is a slightly tricky point here. It's not that the earlier verse is wrong, It's just that it's weaker. So the stronger verse is the latter verse, and the stronger verse is always the verse of power and where jihad is practiced. So that's a little bit about dualism.
0: Now, what do you want to let our audience, we only have about six, maybe five minutes left in the show. Uh, What do you think that people need to know uh, about Islam? If you had five minutes with somebody, what would you tell them about Islam, uh, about Muhammad, about the Quran, about the other sources that you look to? Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, what advice would you give them? If they, if, you, if they read all your books and they say, okay, well, okay, and now now I'm educated, well, well what now? Uh, how do you answer that question to someone as well? Uh, what do people need to know? Uh, just uh, just a, a list of what they need to know, and then of course what they need to do in response uh, after they learn about all this information. If someone goes and reads all your books, what then?
1: Well, you know, the easy part is learning. And I didn't understand everything you said, Tony. I had trouble with my earpiece. I apologize. But the easy part is learning because after you learn, that's when you need to start introducing the truth of Islam to those whom you know. In my case, it was my family. And by the way, you need to be delicate about this, because you're going to discover that many people you want to talk to don't want to know anything, because they have an understanding that if they do know something, they might be required to become active. But I believe that everyone should try to influence their friends and their family about the true nature of Islam. And the reason this is important is, if you go to Europe, you can see that it is the purpose of Islam to annihilate European civilization. I happen to like my civilization. And so I want it to be preserved. And so therefore, what I want to do is to create intellectual warriors out of people. Now, maybe I shouldn't use the term warrior because that may be too scary to some folks, but we need to be able to know what is in front of us. And by the way, there's another reason you need to know Islam, this is gonna sound odd maybe, and that is this, it is fascinating material. If you will start off with the life of Muhammad, you'll discover that it is a fabulous, even if it were a novel, it would be a great novel, it would make a fabulous movie. So you need to learn, so that you can teach your own children, you can teach your own family, you can teach your friends, and if you go to church, see if there's some way that you can preach, that's not, I don't want to say, the uh, teach about Islam even within your church. Now if you get pushback from the pulpit, then bring them to your house. I've had members of churches go, I can't talk about this at church, but we can't talk about it at my home, and so they bring together study groups. But it is extremely important to understand this material
0: and your website is where people can get this material. Dr. Warner, you have a a number of books that are available there, Uh, thin ones that you put together. You've done the hard work for people. Uh, People don't have an excuse not to read your books because if someone sees the big 800,000 page volumes out there like, uh, I don't want to read all that stuff. Uh, If they get your books, they get a a short and sweet, sweet summary of what they need to know. And, and nowhere in, in your books do you encourage people to hate Muslims or to uh, do any kind of vi- anything like that. All you're doing is educating them about history, saying, "Look, Muhammad defined Islam fourteen hundred years ago." Your modern day Muslim uh, neighbor or coworker or classmate in America who loves the Constitution and loves the Bill of Rights, well, guess what? That that's great, but you know they don't define Islam and don't and let don't them define this line. Muhammad defined it 1400 years ago. They need to get educated on the life of Muhammad, the history of Islam, how, you know, he went to Medina as a refugee, but when he left Medina, he was a political leader, a religious leader, a military leader. And guess what the hit, guess what the missing ingredients were there? Well, it was power, it was money, it was a bunch of followers. And if we read the life of Muhammad and these different revelations that came to him over the 23 years, well, it, he had a lot of just-in-time revelations, it seems, <laughs> when you see the different situations that he was in and then what Allah told him to do with these different points. But this this uh, doctrine of abrogation is so important for people to understand. It's not like the Bible where it's pretty much chronological, cover to cover, no, uh, the longer surahs, the longer chapters, or uh, basically the the last ones, the later, more detailed, more aggressive commands came later. And if people don't understand the chronology in the life of Muhammad, then they're going to get c- confused, uh, just like so many other people out there. So people need to get educated. Dr. Warner, it's been a blessing to have you here. We thank you so much for all the work that you do, for all the small booklets that you make for people. I hope that people go and get all those books that you provide uh, for them. And we just thank you for, your, for all your hard work and getting people educated and, again, just equipping people to know uh, what Islam is all about and what it's like according to Muhammad. When you say true Islam, uh, people say, oh, what do you mean true Islam? Like, you know, like there's a, a bunch of different Islams out there. No, it's just what is Islam according to Muhammad? That is what we find in the primary sources. Dr. Bill Warner, it's been a blessing to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. And we hope that a lot of people go and check out politicalislam.com.
1: Thank you, Tony, and thank ABN. ABN. Bye, bye, friends.
0: friends. <laughs> this is the stuff that you need. This is the information that. You need to get, this is the video that you need to share with other people. Again, you can find it on the Trinity Channel's YouTube channel, and also my Vimeo channel, vimeo.com forward slash Tony You can find that. Also, again, check out that video, Fabricating Jesus, and share that with people as well, because that only talks about the, um, the Muslim Isa, quote-unquote, or, or Islamic Jesus, but also talks about, again, uh, the Jehovah's Witness Jesus, the Mormon Jesus, and the correct Jesus is the Jesus who people need to know about. It doesn't matter what they call themselves, there's only one Jesus who corresponds to reality, who actually walked this earth and is right now at the right hand of the Father and died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later. He is the Jesus who people need to know about. He's the Jesus who we proclaim here on ABN's training channel. And it's so great to have people joining us from around the world every single week. Again, get this video, share it with people, and we'll see you next Monday for another episode of Colliding Worldviews.